From the Aliyub Tekizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. As you can see from right there, Colt McKivitz has signed. And what's up, Paul? How's it going? Welcome to chat. Colt McKivitz uh, re-signs and, and re-ups to come back to the 49ers. It's a two-year deal that's going to put him in San Francisco through the 2024 season, which means potentially the 49ers have the right tackle position locked up. This could be the direction they go. Will they still look to go for a player like Caleb McGarry? I think we're going to find out. From everything I heard on hey in or uh, KMBR, it seems like Col like Mike McGlinchey is on his way out, and the Fourniers are making another move. Paul says, "Hey, Ed, good to see you on and alive for real." Yeah, I'm I'm live. I think the lives are going to kick up a little bit uh, over the next like couple weeks or whatever. I've taken some time and relaxed and enjoyed some time, so I had to record kind of on my own schedule and sometimes that's a little bit difficult i work nights so it's a little bit difficult uh when my work schedule compared to when i can go live but um yeah i'm live and i'm excited i'm excited to talk 49ers football what's up traffic first off about colton mckivitz because i i know this video is about edge rushers and i i can't really get in or i can't wait to get into that uh and some of the other guys as well and what's up randy daytona how's it going uh but mckivitz it's a Really one of those things that was inevitable. He was a restricted free agent. You know, they were probably going to, you know, put a tender on him. Now they don't. They have an extension there. Uh, it's a done deal. Colt McKivitz back in San Francisco. Realistically, the right tackle of the upcoming season, probably. Uh, and I think now the 49ers can move forward with how they handle their center position with, you know, probably a look at Jake Brendel. And then after that, you know, how they feel about Nick Sakel. Uh, potentially going in there and taking that role or bringing back Daniel Brunskill. But I think this was the first one that had to fall. The first domino had to be securing Colton McKivitz, even though you probably were going to get him on a one-year deal. Getting him on a two-year deal is smart because it it keeps you uh, you know, relevant to make sure you have him through the 2024 season. Paul says, is McKivitz going to be a starter? I would say I lean towards the positive right now. Minus them going out and signing a offensive tackle like Caleb McGarry or someone like that. Um, I do believe that Colton McKivitz will be a starter. I think there'll be a competition between him and probably like Randy Daytona said, uh, Brunskill coming back. There could be a competition there. Brunskill is somebody that they definitely need to bring back with that five position versatility. Of course, Chris Furster said during the year that if Brunskill's really out of position at center, but he can do it. Uh, he's definitely more comfortable at guard. I think guard is his actual position, but we've seen him have success at tackle as well. In 2019, Daniel Brunskill was fantastic for the 49ers at the tackle position. First, you know, being out there and they had, uh, you know, a bunch of guys hurt, including Joe Staley, uh, you know, and, and McGlinchey as well. So, and he was able to take the helm and, and do those roles. And then the next year slide into a starting right guard job. And I thought he did a very good job. I look for the 49ers to try to bring him back. I don't know what the market will look like for Daniel Brunskill out there. I don't expect it to be a huge market, but when you have that kind of potential, I'm sure he's valuable to somebody, especially when you have former 49ers coaching uh, out there, you know, and, and John Benton, especially with the New York Jets. I'm sure he would love to get you know, Daniel Brunskill to come up there and play for the New York Jets, having all that position versatility. Houston Texans, I'm sure... Uh, Slowy would love to get him there so he could help. And even Mike McDaniel in Miami. So there will probably be some suitors for Daniel Brunskill because of versatility, but we'll see what his number looks like. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is the one that believed in him before. And I think that, you know, he likes Chris Forrester. Not as much as Jake Brindle likes Chris Forrester because uh, Jake Brindle loves Chris Forrester. What's up, JLE? How's it going? Yeah, always good to be live. I, en I enjoy the lives. I enjoy interacting with everyone you know, that's on here. But uh, yeah, so Colton McKivitz back to San Francisco. Uh, not a big move, not a splashy move. 
But I think in overall direction wise, we've seen the 49ers do this before, you know, with Daniel Brunskill. Uh, Daniel Brunskill is just going to be the guard. Uh, person's gone, Brunskill. You know, and you've seen this happen from year to year. Uh, you know, Alex Mack is gone. They got to make a big move. It ends up being Jake Brendel. Not a big move, but Brendel plays pretty good. Not great, but good. Uh, so I think we've seen this in the past, and I think that's why it's going to continue to be Colton McKivitz. That is probably going to be the right tackle, leaving Spencer Burford as the right guard. Uh, Paul says, I think Brunskill comes back because Shani loves him as a utility lineman. I'm with you. And he made about $2.4 million last year. He was a restricted free agent. They weren't able to work out a long-term deal or a two-year deal like they did with Colton McKivitz last year for Daniel Brunskill. But they were able to get that done with McKivitz. So Brunskill wanted to test, is going to test free agency. I think we'll get a good idea of what his market is You know, as the free agency goes. I don't think he'll be a first-wave or second-wave guy. Now, the 49ers still have the weekend you know, to potentially work on deals for their players and try to get them done before they ever hit free agency. Because once they hit free agency, you don't know what teams are going to be interested and then overall what money is going to be put there. Uh, so what's up, Forkla? How's it going? Welcome uh, to chat. And uh, and thanks, Kylie. Since digging the all red. Yeah, I had to go all red. I'm going Bosa. Uh, most of the guys who are cut and in the cap room are edge rushers. So I wanted to go with, you know, something opposite of Nick Bosa and what that was going to look like. Um, so I, I was having a fun with that. And I just really like this hat too. It's just one of my favorite hats that I have in my hat collection, but thanks everyone for coming through, of course. And this is going to be a fun interaction. Let's talk about some of these players, you know, that are going to be available um, on the open market. And it's right now, there's some that aren't official. Of course, uh, there are rumors, you know, of course, of guys getting, you know, uh, released and being come becoming cap casualties. And if you guys have people uh, that you want to talk about, it doesn't matter what position I'm going to put some of my focus on edge rusher, because I believe that's the number one concern for the 49ers is an edge rusher opposite of Nick Bosa and being able to get a talent level that can produce a lot for that defensive line who I felt took a little bit of a step back in the pass rush department. And I think they want to get that going again. So some guys were already released and, you know, we're going to get into, get into those, especially the ones who were released. I think the number one guy is Frank Clark. And the reason I say number one is because he is officially been released by Kansas city. Uh, and he's, his market value is going to be about $12 million. Well, that's double what you paid for Samson Ebucom, but with Frank Clark, you're getting something completely different because uh, Frank Clark has a lot of ability. He's still not quite 30 years old, even though he will turn 30 years old, um, you know, this upcoming season. I think he's somebody the 49ers have been interested in, and the 49ers have been interested in, in getting guys, you know, that have the ability to put pressure on the outside. Now, was his season, you know, fantastic? Uh, I think, you know, that's something that, we can talk about because I don't think you're really looking for somebody that had a fantastic season. You're looking for someone that could have a fantastic season. So he only had five sacks. So if you're looking at overall numbers, uh, you're not going to get, you know, what you're looking for as far as that's not better than Samson Ebucom uh, did last year. Uh, but I think there's the potential there, you know, for him to do a lot more because he's one of those guys that's had a lot of success for many years where, you know, Samson Ebucom five sacks was, his career high. Um, so I think that's to remember as well when it comes to, you know, what, what is going to happen here with Frank Clark and the ability that he's going to have. And of course he's been in the league for a while, been in the league since 2015 where he started with Seattle Seahawks and he's had some, you know, some years where he's had, you know, some big time output, uh, double digit sacks uh, twice in his career. And um, you know, those were good seasons. One in, in 2016 and one in 2018 where he had 14 sacks, that got him the big contract, you know, with the Kansas City Chiefs. And since then, he's, I mean, he's cooled off a little bit. See his stat numbers go down. But he, I definitely think he's somebody the 49ers would be interested in uh, bringing in because he's got a lot of ability and able to bring some pressure off the outside. Uh, so I think that he's somebody that, you know, that they like. And that's what Bobo says, Frank Clark available. Yeah, they, they he's available. Um Forkel says, how do you feel about McKivitz? I'm kind of on the fence, but hopeful he will continue developing. Yeah, I, I think that he got a wake-up call in 2021 when they didn't put him on the 53-man roster. He had to go to the practice squad and earn his earn his way. 
But I thought last year, when he had his opportunities, I thought he did good. In 2021, I thought he did really good against a very good pass rush that included Von Miller in the, against the Rams. So I think, is he a finished product? No. But has he been improving since Chris Furster has got his hands on him? And since Colt McKivitz realized he was going to have to really put forth a tremendous effort to be a you know, a, a player in this league? I think so. I think that was a wake-up call for him. And since then, he's improved rapidly. Uh, so I'm definitely more confident with Colton McKivitz as a starter this year than I would have been even, say, last year. Uh, but I definitely think the 49ers need to continue to draft and develop more players so that way uh, they can ensure that they have a right tackle they can count on. Now, Colton McKivitz graded out better than Mike McGlinchey in the past game, but in the run game, he's not as efficient as a blocker as um, McGlinchey was. So you're giving up something in the run game and gaining in the passing game We'll see how that pans out and if the 40-yards feel like that's enough to continue with Colton McKivitz. Uh, Paul says, could Jackson improve enough and run defense on and off the field to fill the role? Um, He could. I, I think that Greg Jackson is going to be a, a fine player in the league. Um, I think I saw pretty good pass rush techniques. There's still some stuff with leverage, with his hands, his technique, uh, that are definitely raw compared to others that come into this league. A lot of that, it could be the coaching he got at USC. In fact, I think it is. Uh, but also playing off-ball linebacker. They had him gaining weight. They had him losing weight. Uh, they did a lot of different things with him, and I just don't think that he was a finished product. And what I saw when I watched him play this season was a guy that had some br pretty good speed, uh, definitely good bend around the corner. Um, and when he rushed inside, I liked his ability against guards. I think where the problem comes in is number one, he didn't have the strength to consistently win against anchoring offensive linemen. Number two, his technique needs to get better. And then when he did play the edge, like you brought up, Paul, he just wasn't able to set the edge the same way the other guys were. I felt more comfortable in a lot of defensive linemen that played on the 49ers uh, setting the edge compared to him. And of course, all of them have a lot more experience, uh, but Bosa, Ebucom, Amenahue, Hyder, Jordan Willis, uh, all those guys set the edge better than Drake Jackson. And that's why when it got into the playoffs, Drake Jackson wasn't active. We know Kyle Shanahan talked about his body and he's got to continue to improve his body. Um, I just think that he's got a ways to go as far as setting the edge. I think he'll work on it all offseason. But I can't say with you know a 100% ability that he's going to be the guy on the edge that's going to be able to stop the run and be a three-down defender. In fact, if I had to bet, I would think that Drake Jackson improves tremendously as a pass rusher, and I think he could even fit uh, the Arden Key slash Charles Amenehue role and play outside and inside this year, uh, especially playing inside on obvious pass downs as a you know a a guy that really comes in and helps um, in their more you know lightning package of defensive linemen. Uh, but I don't right now see him as a three down starter opposite of Nick Bosa. I think they'd be taking a huge chance. I think if they were going with just Drake, they would want to go with somebody ahead of him uh, right now. That, that's just my opinion. And of course, he could he could prove us all wrong. He could definitely prove us wrong, um, you know, during training camp and then during the preseason and show that he is that guy. And if if that's the case, well, bravo to the 49ers for getting that. Uh, Jalen is not a big fan of Frank Clark as a person, but yeah, I think that's where the character things come in. And that's what Paul's saying as well for the four years character matters. And it does. I mean, so if you know, you're worried about Frank Clark's character, then he's not going to be an option uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. You just can't go that route and think that he's going to be. Uh, but what would they? What would you guys think about a guy like Bud Dupree? Uh, Bud Dupree is a guy that you know got a huge contract coming from Pittsburgh. He went to Tennessee. Um, you know, what do you think about him and and the fact that Bud Dupree, after just two years under contract? with the Tennessee Titans is, is being released and, you know, put back on the market. Um, I think that, you know, his stats were down as well. Only four sacks, you know, for uh, Bud Dupree on the season. So you see the sack numbers went down when he got, you know, away from the Steelers and their system. Uh, when he got away from uh, TJ Watt, you know, the sack numbers went down. Uh, that's why their overall, their money is going down too. Uh, that's one thing I didn't bring up yet about Frank Clark is Frank Clark's estimated market value is $12.4 million. So I think that's a lot less 
you know, than what he was going to make before. He was going to make close to over $15 million. So he's going to take a pay cut just getting out there on the open market. So potentially, you know, Bud Dupree, who's already 30 years old, uh, was scheduled to make over $16 million. What's his market value going to be? I'm guessing it's going to come down. Uh, you know, I'm guessing out of the guys that have been cut so far, Bud Dupree is probably going to be 13, 14 million as well. But you see their numbers drop. Samson Ebicom had five sacks last year, so more production than both of them. I think the only thing that's different between uh, the two we've talked about with Frank Clark and Bud Dupree compared to Samson Ebicom is the fact that those two have already produced double digit sack uh, years in their career, where when it comes to Samson Ebicom, he maxed out his total number of sacks with five this year. It was four and a half, four and a half, four and a half, four and a half, and then five. So I think that that's something to remember when you're looking for that elite guy on the opposite side. Sometimes the ability to be elite is so important. But I do understand what everyone's talking about uh, with character issues. And if, if character is an issue with Frank Clark, let's wipe him out. I, I don't have a problem for that either. And uh, JLE says Larry Ogunjobi. Um, you know what, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, interesting name out there, you know, that uh, potentially could be available. Um, see, he's 29 years old. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi was a very, very cheap player last year overall for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I'm going to look and see what Ogunjobi's market value is. Uh, thanks so much, Spotrack, for this. Larry Ogunjobi's market value, $3.4 million. So he's definitely cheap uh, as a guy that can, you know, that could come in and play. Um, he's definitely a different style of player than, you know, we've talked about with the other guys where, o, you know, Ogunjobi is as more of a base 4-3 defensive end uh, and less of an, an, edge, an edge guy that can put a lot of pressure uh, with speed on the outside. I think that's what I, one thing I've been looking for is speed on the outside. Uh, so that's something to remember. And what is up, Freddie McDre? How's it going? Uh, glad to see you in the chat. Um, Porkdale says, I like Morris out of Michigan. He's big and could be a bit good run stopper and maybe get some sacks too. He struggled at the combine, so he may drop. Combine is cool, but not actual football. Yeah, I agree with that. And there's a ton of guys you know, that are already in um, the draft that the foreigners can definitely go after as well. I think it's going to be a combination of things. I think if they're going to spend, they want to spend at the edge rush position for a free agent because getting someone opposite of Bosa, we've seen that's been a priority before with D Ford. So you can work out a contract with a player coming in, you know, that works out to where you have a low number this year and the number goes up a little bit next year. That can work because D Ford's $8 million is going to come off as well uh, next year. There's eight $8.4 million in dead cap space coming from D Ford's contract this year. So you could potentially go that way. But I expect them to go with you know some guys as well. And if you have over on Patreon, I started doing my star player reports. I've put out three so far, a safety, a wide receiver, and, a, and an edge rusher. And the star player that I went over was Zach Harrison. So if you want to see those breakdowns, Go over to Patreon. Those are there. I've been working on some other ones. I'm working on a tight end right now that I'm going to be putting out uh, in the next several days. And there's just going to be more and more draft content. I'm going to put a lot of that over on Patreon. Some of it will be here, of course. Uh, but if you want those in-depth looks, they're going to be over on Patreon as far as like individual breakdowns. Uh, so those are available. And, and I mean, that's the thing. I do think it's going to be edge rushers. We've heard lots of people talking about, you know, Isaiah McGuire. I like Zach Harrison. Um, there's other guys in this as well, like in Coombe. Uh, lots of really good edge rushers that potentially Carl Brooks that the 40 yards could look at and pick up during this draft. And now that, you know, the number of picks has came out and the 40 yards have 11, including 99, 101, and 102. Uh, in that, into the third round area, I think that's where the 49ers can go ahead and take on some players there. Um, let's see. Uh, WTM says, which position is our biggest need? I think it's, I think it is defensive line right now. I think they've shored up the right tackle spot with Colton McKivitz, or at least that's how they feel right now. We'll see if they do something and go Caleb McGarry or, you know, something else along those lines. I don't think there was really a big time option available once Taylor Lewan indicated he did not want to move from left tackle to right tackle. Uh, there wasn't a real option on the free agent market that's better than 
than what you had with uh, Mike McGlinchey. So you're not going to improve at the position. Uh, why not stand Pat, especially if you don't believe McGarry is that much better than Colton McKivitz? Uh, so we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see. And uh, yeah, JLE says, can play that inside-outside. Yeah, you can play inside-outside. I like those, the flexibility uh, from Joby. And, you know, there's other guys, too. You know, like you bring up great gains. I think those guys are possibilities, especially in cheaper ways. The 40 yards like to go cheap. I think I was just looking for a specific thing because in 2019, the reason that the pass rush was so good was Bosa and Ford together absolutely went after quarterbacks. I mean, D Ford's ability, and there's not very many D Fords in this league, but finding a guy that has that speed opposite of Bosa, I think they were hoping that with Ebucom. I mean, Ebucom has all those abilities and speed. And I like Charles Amenehue. I don't think Amenehue has the same ability, you know, that we see from from that, you know, and from them. Uh, so yeah. And and Lou says, "Hi, it. Damn, I'm late. Hi, TCC. How's it going? Uh, yeah, how's it going? And Jaylee says, "Bigger DNs that can, if needed, move inside like Hyder. Yeah, I like those as depth pieces. So I think all the guys you're talking about is depth. You see that with Jordan Willis. I think that's what Charles Amenehue really is. Um, I like those kind of guys that can play outside and inside a lot like what they did with Eric Armstead. So in those cases, you're looking kind of, if you're looking in the draft, you're looking for guys you played five, can play five tech in, you know, in the NFL, those kind of inside out guys. And of course, in the 40 yards wide nine, it makes it a little bit more complicated when they become a tweener uh, because they, you know, can they get home from being that far outside of the offensive tackle? I think that's a question or if you get the speed, you could definitely get it done. Lou says highlights, please. I put the highlights on those videos of the star players. Uh, I know David Campbell really enjoyed them. I got to get I gotta get back to him, but he really enjoyed what I've showed him so far. So uh, check those out if you have a, a chance. Bubba says, my biggest wish is somehow get Buckner back. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the Buckner contract, but I mean, he's locked into Indianapolis right now. They decided to move on. I'm sure a lot of teams would be interested. The 49ers don't really have the financial wiggle room to add another big-time interior defensive lineman. I think they'd rather pay an edge rusher. I think that's where they value the most. Uh, so, yeah. What's up, DZ? says, good to see you, Ant. Do you think we're keeping Jimmy Ward? I thought it was out of the question last week. I did not think Jimmy Ward wanted to come back and play nickel. I didn't think the 49ers financially were going to pay him top safety money that he was going to want. Of course, what he said on Instagram Live this week is that he would be considering uh, playing nickel for the 49ers if he couldn't find what he was looking for in the open market. So uh, it's a saturated safety room. There's some big-time players out there. Uh, we saw Jaquiski Tart go into that market last year and then end up on Philly on a minimum deal and then out of the league. I don't think Jimmy Ward would have that happen. He's too versatile. But uh, with Ward, he might not find the market he's looking for, and that could be what he's saying I can't find that market coming back to the 49ers, you know, for six, six and a half million, which would be top of the line nickel money. Uh, I think he would do that. And I think in that case, the 49ers might consider it, uh, but six and a half million is still a lot of money to pay. That probably means you don't get Emmanuel Mosley back. So I don't know if the 49ers decide to go ward and let Mosley slide. And maybe they're really comfortable with uh Diometer Lenore and Samuel Womack. And if that's the case, uh, then, yeah, you could probably move on. So it'll probably be and or Emmanuel Mosley or Jimmy Ward. But until this week, I did not think that was a possibility for Ward to come back. Uh, but now that he sort of softened his stance, I think it's a possibility. Lou says, who's playing the one? Well, I think right now you got to think Javon Kinlaw is going to be playing the one. I think they need to re-sign Hassan Ridgeway. If I was them, I would re-sign Hassan Ridgeway to play the one as well. And then I'd let Kalia Davis come in and battle for that position. Uh, we'll see what the upside of the young player looks like. Like Davis, he's a slasher, more of the DJ Jones style. I thought Ridgeway did a very good job. And then I think the four years go ahead and draft a defensive tackle as well. Uh, I think those are options. I don't look for the 49ers to pay a lot of money to an interior defensive lineman in free agency. I just, I don't see it. Uh, I don't think there's as big of a need. I think they're going to go with cheaper options. Um, and I, I think one of those options will be Hassan Ridgeway. They can kick him a little bit extra money, but I thought he played really good against the run. And you know what you're getting out of him. You're pulling him off the field in obvious pass downs anyways. So you let him be a two-down player, stop the run, get him off the field, make the same way with Kinlaw, and then you go ahead and you roll with Kalia Davis and Kevin Givens and Maurice Hurst if you can bring him back on another cheap deal. Uh, and you see what you can get out of those guys. 
uh, all the while drafting a defensive tackle like Dante Stills, you know, or Pickens or somebody like that that they can use down the line. Bobo says, hopefully Drake Jackson steps up in year two. I look for Drake Jackson to have improvement. I think Drake Jackson will be better this year. I look for his sack numbers to go from three to potentially five plus. Um, especially if he fits into that Arden key role and plays a lot of those interior snaps on obvious pass downs. I think his speed is enough to handle guards. And if his strength is up to the level and expectation that they want, I think his low pad level, his bend, uh, his athletic ability will make him very tough to deal with. That's why I would love for them to get one of these edge rushers you know, that we're going to talk about here that have been cut to potentially put outside. That way Drake Jackson could be dominant on the inside. Uh, who are some of these other guys that they could potentially go for? We talked about Bud Dupree and Frank Clark, uh, but now the new one is Zadarius Smith. And you might say, hey, Aunt, Zadarius Smith hasn't been cut yet. Yes, you're right. And actually, I've been working on a video that I've been trying to get together for a while, but now I'm going to talk about it here. Is Zadarius Smith uh, was thought to potentially be a, a casualty, a cap casualty, because it would save a lot of money. And they basically did a potential out. This is an out year where they only get hit with a a $3.3 million cap hit, so they save over $12 million. Uh, so that's why Minnesota made a lot of sense. Now, Minnesota says they were going to keep him. Well, today, Zedaria Smith went to the front office, according to Adam Schefter, and said that he wants to be released. The reason I was coming up with this video is a week and a half ago, I read an article uh, because I've been going around surf, you know, surfing, trying to find out about these edge rushers, and Zedarius Smith has been on my my list of of players to watch. He put his house up for sale over two weeks ago, so uh, Zedarius Smith is definitely looking to move on from Minnesota. Talking about a guy that's you know thirty years old, going to be thirty one, uh, but I mean, still got a lot of potential. A speed rush guy off the outside. What will his cap number look like? I think that's a a, a bigger question. He was scheduled to make a good sum of money this year. Uh, and I think he's going to look for a little bit more. So his base salary was going to be about nine and a half million. You know, could the 49ers convince him to take, you know, a lower amount like he did with Minnesota last year, where his contract, his base salary was about $1.4 million. And then it jumped up. Could they convince him to take a low number like that, come in and potentially go after a championship and then let his money be bigger down the line. I think it's a possibility. Uh, so to me, he's a guy that could be cut. He gave a farewell on Twitter to uh, players, coaches, uh, fans, and I think he wants out of there, and I think he's going to try to push their hand, and we'll see if he's able to get out of there. But he's a guy I'm tremendously interested in uh, potentially getting out because if you could get him and put him alongside uh, you know, some of these other guys, I, I think he would be just – him and Drake Jackson and Bosa rushing on third down – would be absolutely nasty. Let me know what you guys think about him as well as I, can, I go back to the chat and see what's going on. Um, and then Jaylee says, what D-tackle should the Niners be looking at? I think there's a couple of guys. I like Stills. I, I like him a lot. I, I think, you know, when I saw the 49ers were potentially interested in Stills, he was a guy that I went and watched film of. Uh, I remembered that, you know, there was another Stills that came out of West Virginia. I don't remember if they're, if they're brothers or, you know, relation of some sort, but I thought both of those guys were pretty good. Um, so I I will, let me look at this. Let me bring up the defensive tackles real quick uh, and and try to try to go through a couple of guys that I like. There's been some guys too that I've been watching that I think are more like, you know, transitional guys, like guys that can, um, that can do both. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that is something I'm also looking at. Like, I know Carl Brooks is another guy that I think can play inside and out. Um, I like him a lot. So he would be a guy that I'd be interested in the 40 yards getting. Right now, he's kind of going to be available at the end of the third round. Um, so that's a guy that, you know, that definitely I'm paying attention to. Um, and I think that finding guys later on, you know, he's out of Bowling Green. Uh, finding guys later on is something that the 40 yards are going to have to do in this draft because, you know, most of their picks are just at the bottom half. They're they don't have to, they have one top 100 pick in this entire draft, and I don't think you can really build you know very much. Uh, I've I've heard lots of people talking about you know uh, the Texas guys, uh, Coburn, Ojomo, those guys. Uh, the Fortnite met with Zach Pickens from South Carolina. I watched him. He plays big, um, but I still like I like Brooks better than him. 
uh, so far. So, I mean, I like the edge guys a lot better than the defensive tackles that are in this draft. I've seen a couple of guys that I'm going to be putting um, as my draft diamonds. There's a couple, there's a couple diamonds I found already. So I'm, I'm not going to get into those guys too much, but um, there's some guys later in this draft defensive tackle, but this not exactly the best defensive tackle market that I've seen um, for the draft so far. Edge rusher, definitely tight end, I think is the best um, tight end uh, group that I've seen in a long time. So that's exciting if you're going to tackle that, but yeah, so Stills, I think Brooks, uh, you know, and and Pickens, I think are the guys the 49ers are potentially looking at right now, but we'll see. Hey, what's up, Tommy? He says, what's up, Pirate Ant? How's it going? Uh, welcome to chat. Um, Stoney says, I'm glad Christian is finally getting respect. Uh, let's see. Uh, Forkthal says, I'm, Lord, I'm playing Kinlaw. Can someone redeem him next year, even if it's last with us? It would be huge. Yeah, I don't expect them to get the fifth-year option for Javon Kinlaw. Uh, I just, I don't. So we'll see. Um, WTM says, uh, are we drafting a safety? I think it's a possibility. I have I have a safety that I really like that I think is going to be, especially after his poor performance in the combine, uh, will probably be one of those guys. Uh, that's Trey Dean out of Florida. I like his ability, the things he's able to do, uh, play in the slot. Originally, a uh, a corner, but can do both at six, three over 200 pounds. He's a heck of a hitter. He's a good tackler. Uh, so he's somebody that I like, and he's one of my star players. And I have a full breakdown on Patreon of him. If you want to check it out. And then, uh, Jaylee says return of the Mac. Uh, what's up, Donald Johnson, by the way, how's it going? If you're talking about Khalil Mac, yeah, Khalil Mac is another one of those guys that's got to be on the list. Uh, potentially he could be released. I've read, you know, conflicting reports, but Matt Miyoko talked about the 49ers would have tremendous interest, you know, in Khalil Mack. He's 32 years old now. I think the question about Khalil Mack, number one, will the Chargers be willing to release him? They just traded, you know, a hefty haul to the Chicago Bears to pick up Khalil Mack. And then Mack had a very cheap contract last year and it did jump. They would save, you know, about $13 million if they release Khalil Mack. That's a good savings, especially for a team that is over the cap as of right now. Um, but would they be willing to do that? I'm not sure. So I think that the the questions about Khalil Mack being released still haven't been cleared. If he is cut, the 49ers will 100% be interested in Khalil Mack. Remember, it was John Lynch before the 2018 season that said they offered a better deal for Khalil Mack than the Chicago Bears did, but they were unable to get it done. Uh, because the Raiders did not want to trade him to the San Francisco 49ers. So Khalil Mack would 100% be a target for the 49ers if he was released and is a cap casualty. I don't think that's even a question. And he was just playing with the Bosa. He knows what it's like. He could drive right up I-5 to Santa Clara and play for the San Francisco 49ers. I think they would love that. Uh, and if he was you know, ring chasing, you potentially get him on a cheap deal which I think could be huge for the 49ers as they're looking for guys uh, that they could go ahead and, and target to play opposite of Nick Bosa. And if they can find that guy, what's up, Steve-O? If they can find a guy opposite of Bosa that can put a a huge you know huge amount of pressure, um, I think that, that the defense will change in a big way and they'll start making some, some big-time plays. And I think that'll help the secondary as well. The secondary had to hold up a lot this season. Now, did they get pressures? Did they get hurries? Absolutely. Uh, not a lot of those resulted in sacks if it wasn't Nick Bosa. Bosa, 18 and a half sacks. Samson Ebicom, five sacks. Charles Amenehu, four and a half sacks. The difference between the different ones is crazy. Uh, so I think that's something to remember, too, is just they need an upgrade. They need a guy to go... Um, you know, up a little bit. And uh, Jaylee said, what your tight end choice? Are you talking about tight end and draft? Or are you talking about um, tight end? Um, are you talking about tight end in the draft? Or are you talking about tight end and free agency? Uh, let me know what you, what you had to say about that. Um, and then I'll kind of, I'll get into that a little bit. So yeah, I mean, there's some guys out there in the draft. I think that I really like at the tight end position. And then I think that there's guys you know, that are, are going to be free agents. And, you know, I did a free agent video earlier in the week, you know, about tight ends. And, you know, some people are like, hey, yeah, let's get the, the cheapest guys possible. And I think that's always a smart way to go. 
um, when you're looking at free agency, unless you can, you know, catch a guy, uh, lightning in a bottle as it will be, and get a guy that can, you know, make a huge back impact on your team, uh, like Robert Tanyan. Now, I don't know what his market's going to actually look like, but you know, the rumors of it being five million dollars, I would be very tempted to sign him to a deal. Uh, Robert Tanyan and George Kittle together would be the tight end duo that the San Francisco 49ers have always wanted, always needed. And uh, I would be all in for that. I'm not always about spending money, um, but what do I care, right? It's not my money. But no, I think it would be a shrewd move if they could bring it in. That would definitely change the way Kyle Shanahan's able to run offense with those two tight end looks with him and with Tanyan and Kittle both being able to block and catch passes. I think it would make the team even more dynamic than it already is. You have those two with Debo, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and Brendan Ayuk, uh, weapons on weapons. I think it makes it tough, especially you know when you have Kyle Juszczyk out there too. Uh, you can load up. You can do a lot of things. So to me, it gives them flexibility as well. One of each. Okay, so one of the tight ends that I really like, I talked about Tanya now in free agency, but one of the guys I really like in the draft, um, I'm going to go with uh, Will Mallory out of Miami. Uh, so Will Mallory, I, I was watching film of him, and I really liked him. And then actually, I think he kind of got some people's attention in the combine when he ran a 4-5. And I happened to see the speed on film because he caught, ball along the, caught a couple balls along the sideline uh, in one of the games I was watching, and he took off. And the defensive uh, secondary was struggling to catch him. He was outrunning linebackers who had angles. They did ultimately run him down, but I was like, whoo. Uh, and then he went to the combine and he ran a four five four. He was the fastest tight end at the combine, uh, just barely edging out Zach Kuntz. And of course, Kuntz a little bit bigger. Mallory's only six four, where Kuntz is six foot seven. I like Kuntz as well. Uh, but there's something about Mallory that I just really like. One of those guys that makes plays uh, in the red zone. He's got you know one, he's one of those guys that can find little holes in the zone and be able to get open. Uh, he's not had a lot of productions as far as TDs. Last year, he only had three, uh, but he had 42 catches for over 500 yards. So he's a guy that I really like. He's somebody that I liked uh, just watching him overall. I thought his film, he wasn't one guy that I expected to grade out crazy good, uh, but his athletic ability is very sneaky. He's got pretty good strength. Uh, he's got He could probably put on 10 pounds, put him with George Kittle, let him put on 10 pounds of muscle, and next thing you know, you got yourself a very, very solid player behind George Kittle. I think he will be available when the 49ers want to draft in the third and potentially even the fifth round, depending on, you know, what happens, you know, if he starts picking up steam, you just never know what's going to happen with one of these guys. Once they come out of the combine, how much they're going to jump. Uh, I was, you know, now for like Zach Harrison, for instance, the defensive end I like out of Ohio state, uh, he's six, six, you know, 275 pounds. He did not run. He did not do a lot of those things at the combine. He gets to his pro day and he runs the four four like some are expecting, and he jumps out of the building. Uh, then you know, right now you can get him on pretty much every mock draft somewhere in the you know the late third, early fourth round. And if he does those types of things where he shows that kind of speed uh, with his wingspan being eighty seven and thirty six and a quarter inch arms and in length, I don't think there's any chance he gets out of the second round. So. Uh, some of the numbers will determine, of course, where these guys end up falling. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, that's one of those things to remember. Uh, JLE says, tight end Parham for the, from the Chargers. Yeah, another guy that's an eligible guy. There was a lot of guys that were potentially going to be available in the free agent market that were low-risk, uh, high-reward guys that I think you have a dual threat where they can block and pass that fit within the 49ers scheme, and I think he would be one as well. Uh, Tommy says Kincaid from Utah. Yikes, he is a beast. There's some big time players at the tight end position um, overall, as far as you know, who's going to be available in the draft. I wonder how high some of these guys are going to go. I, I think we know that you know Mayer, uh, Darnell Washington, Dalton Kincaid. Those guys are can't miss first and second rounders. Luke Musgrave probably close to that you know late or mid to late second round. Uh, Tucker Craft kind of in the same area, and then because of the way that Sam Laporta played, you know, or, or I mean, uh, worked out at the combine. I look for him to also move up in this draft. So I think Sam Laporta is a guy that you know potentially was a, a possible target for the 49ers with pick 99, 100, or 102. And now I think he could go, you know, in the early third round, early to mid. 
and be out of the reach of the San Francisco 49ers. So, uh, yeah, but this tight end class, and, you know, the 49ers met with Josh Weil, uh, from Wiley from Cincinnati. Um, they've met with some of these other tight ends, including Laporta. So I think that those are some guys the 49ers are going to target overall in the draft. Yeah, Jelly said Laporta. Yeah, that's what I was... Uh, Donald says, guys, what position would you want them to target in free agency? Which position would you want them to target in the draft most? Um, I want them to draft deep. I want them to draft defensive linemen. This is a year you could load up on edge rushers, get a couple of guys, you know, some guys that could come in and compete behind Jordan Willis if you brought him back. Um, you know, guys that could potentially beat out Kerry Hyder and uh, give you more, you know, edge ability. I think the four years need to find guys who have the ability to have a tremendous first step as far as speed, uh, but also can set the edge. So finding those guys in this draft, I think there are some throughout the draft. There's some guys in small schools that you can get in the sixth and seventh round that could potentially redshirt, end up on your practice squad, and you could develop them for years to come. Um, so I I think that defensive line, both in free agency and draft, I think tight end and both in free agency and draft are are areas you could go ahead and attack. I don't know how much the 49ers will be able to go offensive line, even though most fans want them to go offensive line in the first. Or, I mean, that's the first part of the free agency. I just don't know. But we'll see. Um, JLE says thinking center. Yeah, I mean, potentially, right? Ethan Postich is, is a guy that people are talking about. Uh, the 49ers have been willing you know, to, to make some, make some moves as far as centers go. Oh, uh, if you have, if you're a channel member or you have me on page or you have 49ers cut back on Patreon, I did a draft video just talking about the things the 49ers do. And one of them is they don't draft centers in the draft. And we've been calling on it for a while, right? For the last uh, couple of years, we've been calling them to draft Creed Humphrey or, or last year, Cam Jurgens. Uh, there's been a lot of guys that everyone's been wanting them to draft, and they just haven't been willing to draft a center. So that's just something the Niners don't do. What have they been willing to do? They've been willing to pay them in free agency. In 2017, the 49ers came here. They had a holdover uh, that they had a center already. In 2018, they went and got their guy in Weston Richburg. So they went from Kilgore to Richburg. Of course, he got hurt, but Kyle had already brought in Ben Garland, his guy from Atlanta that was a backup there in Atlanta for Alex Mack, uh, he he was able to play it. And then that once they realized Richburg couldn't go, they went to Alex Mack. He retired a little early. Um, so they're free agent-wise. They've signed two high-priced free agents uh, with Weston Richburg and Alex Mack. I think that's the way they normally like to go with center. But, you know, with the center position, it's a little bit interesting because there's not that many centers that are available for the 49ers. Um you know, to be able to get in free agency. It's not, I mean, there, there are guys, but you have guys that are considering like Rodney Hudson's considering retirement. Um, Connor McGovern's going to get a nice contract. Uh, Justin Brett just got released by Houston, but he's 32 years old. You know, he could potentially go there. Uh, you know, I mean, let's look at e uh, Ethan Postich's uh, number, uh, 7.2 million. You know, are you going to pay your center 7.2 million? You can probably afford it now that, you signed Colton McKivitz to an extension. So, I mean, that's a possibility. Maybe that is something the 49ers are going to do is pay more at the center position uh, because they're going to go cheap at right tackle. Uh, that's definitely a possibility. Um, you know, of course, that they could have already taken care of this. It could it could be Poe. It could be Zakel. Uh, one of those guys. It could be Daniel Brunskill. I think those are things that they still, you know, we're, we're going to find out. Jaley says, E-Man coming back. I think they want E-Man back. Uh, I think one of the crazy things was, if you go to Spotrack, they say that Emmanuel Mosley has, I think his number's like $15 million on the open market. I don't see a team actually paying him that because he's coming off the ACL, uh, but he did get hurt early on in the season, about five games in. Um, so I do think that he will potentially um, come back. I think they want him to come back, and I don't think his market's going to be huge. I think if they could get him for the same amount of money they had him before, about $6.5 million, they'd be willing to do it. And you put, you know, you bring E-Man in, you have him compete with Yamato Lenore. If he beats Lenore on the outside, you move Lenore into the nickel. If Lenore beats him out, you move E-Man into the nickel. And I think you feel confident with those two guys. I don't think Sam Womack showed enough yet to think he's the starter next year. Uh, I think he's got promise, and I think he could push for it. 
I just don't know if he could beat those two guys out right now. I think they're a little bit ahead of him. Um, so potentially, you know, those are guys that I think are are possibilities, you know, for uh, I think he could come back. And then I think that's what could happen because of it. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens overall, you know, with the you know, with E-Man. I hope E-Man comes back. I really like E-Man a lot. Um, so I would love to get him back. Uh, Randy says, I think we're rolling with Mooney. Demo, Ambry, Womack. Yeah, I look for them to actually draft a corner as well in this draft. Somebody that could potentially push Ambry Thomas. Uh, so, and I think also watch Quantrez Knight as potential to be able to get on this roster. I know Quantrez is not exactly an outside guy, um, but I think potentially they could bring him in to be in the nickel. And he's got great natural instincts. Uh, KDR says, do we draft or sign a kicker? I think they could do both depending on who they end up, you know, getting. I know Matt Barrows came out and said it's still 50-50 about Robbie Gold, that this is probably a negotiating ploy or could be a negotiating ploy. I know he showed up at a Chicago Bears game. I mean, a Chicago Bulls game already. Uh, potentially, he could go to Chicago. They have plenty of money to give him. We know he wanted to go home. Uh, I thought it was 100% until Matt Barrows came out with that report. So I do think that they could go, you know, where they sign. I think they want to keep... Uh, the kicker amount low, and if they felt like they had a kicker in the draft that could be big time, go for it. It's just, it's, it's, it's a definitely a taking a chance. Uh, I think it was Jordan Elliott, Splash Cousin, that did a article that talked about only one of the last seventeen kickers taken in the draft have signed an extension and reached a second contract. That's not exactly a, a promising trend. So more than likely, what the 49ers do is. Uh, draft an undrafted free agent kicker and sign somebody else, and they let them compete to see who can win it out. Uh, Bobo says I'm getting real sick and tired of of losing NFC championships and Super Bowls. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, that's it's a frustrating thing. It's one of the things you're. It's a catch twenty two. You're happy to be in those situations because that means your team's a successful team and a successful organization, but you just want to get over the hump. You want to get over the top and win. And getting to that, you know, last part makes the losses more difficult. It definitely does. It's a lot tougher uh, than when you can kind of come to grips with losing multiple games and being a losing football team. So, yeah, when you have such high expectations, it makes the fall a little bit more difficult. And I think that's what the 49ers are trying to come to grips with as far as uh, getting a roster together that they could take advantage of and win a Super Bowl. And I think that every year they're trying to adjust and, and just go about, you know, handling uh, getting the best roster together. Eric, what's up? Eric Dane says, Ant, do you think Kalia Davis could break out this year similar to Hufanga last year? I don't know if we would get that similar of a uh, output from Kalia Davis and break out because Hufanga played a significant amount of snaps at the safety position in his rookie year. He played about 45% of the snaps with you know pretty good success, especially in and around the box. So you knew Hufanga can make some plays. Uh, so I think Hufanga definitely... Uh, had a step up on Kalia Davis. And I think also Hufanga is a guy that's been playing safety for a long time, uh, all throughout high school, college. Uh, he's a guy that did it for a long time. Kalia Davis went to college as a linebacker and adjusted the defensive line. So I think he's got really uh, raw skills. He's got tremendous athletic ability. Uh, he's been able to put on size on his frame, and I'm hopeful. I think Kalia Davis is probably going to be a rotational guy this year that could compete. Uh, maybe he'll be a slasher that can make plays, but I want to see how he's able to hold up against double teams. And I want to see how his development is as far as he just learned how to put his hand in the ground three, four years ago. So he's got to learn how to get off the ball. And then I want to see what happens when he's in contact, how he reads, disengages and make tackles. So I think it might be a little bit of a kind of a, a longer, uh, you know, development for him, but I definitely like the player overall. Jimbo says Jacorian Bennett later in the draft. I like him. I do. I like him. I think he's a solid player. He's got pretty good hips. Uh, showed us some a pretty good speed and, and and makeup speed. So, yeah, he's a guy that's pretty good. And later in the draft, I think there would be some value there for sure. Randy says drafting a kicker would be nice, cheap for a few years. Yeah, it'd be very nice. Uh, I think that you know potentially you can find a, a kicker even you know, after the draft. But with the 49ers having comp picks in the seventh round, you know, 249, 255, they should be able to pick up somebody then and secure a kicker. It could be Moody like Jimmo's bringing up. Um, so maybe Moody, we'll see if he ends up getting drafted in the draft. You just never know. You're right, you could always get drafted. Um, 
JLE says any free agent wide receivers, or are they drafting one? I think they're going to draft one. I really do. I, I think they have some guys. They've met with a few guys. Um, the two most notable, you know, guys that they've they've met, of course, is uh, Tank Dell. And I don't know how many guys have seen Tank Dell, uh, but Tank Dell's got a lot of ability. I, I actually thought he was going to be a lot faster. His combine time was four or five. For a guy that's, you know, five foot, you know, 10 and a half, uh, five foot 11, 165 pounds, you kind of expected him to be able to do uh, more than that. But Nathaniel Tank Dell was highly uh, successful in college. He had 18 touchdowns last year. One of those guys I love watching because he can create separation. Um, so he he's definitely exciting. Uh, and then the other guy that they talked to that I really like a lot, and in fact, he's one of my star players on Patreon, uh, Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. He's 6'2", 225 pounds, and then went to the combine and ran a 4.46. I thought that was... Very, very good time for him. He's a pretty good route runner. Needs to work on that a little bit. Uh, make some great catches. He can catch the ball without losing any momentum at all. He's a catch-and-run guy. Uh, it's very tremendous. It gives me A.J. Brown vibes. I'm not saying he's A.J. Brown. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that those guys are, you know, I thought A.J. Brown was special coming out. Uh, but I like all the things that, that Jonathan Mingo can do. Uh, so he's a guy that runs tough, plays tough, uh, and it, he's got a lot of success. He's got questions a little bit about the hands sometimes. Sounds familiar, right? Jamon Jennings, Debo Samuel. Uh, but with Mingo, I think it's more concentration and trying to become a runner uh, before he secures the catch. And those are all things you could fix. I think Kyle Shannon would be willing to take Mingo, plus one heck of a blocker and can pancake people. I'd be willing to take him in the third round with one of those comp picks. I think he's got that much upside. We'll see if they do that. But, I mean, when you're looking at their wide receiver room, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jawan Jennings, you know, he got his exclusive rights free agent contract offer. That means he'll be coming back. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod, and then Danny Gray. Those are your five guys. I think if you added a rookie, you could put somebody, a six-wide receiver on your 53-man roster, leave them inactive, um, and just, you know, see what you need as far as, you know, practice squad stuff. Uh, but, yeah, and Randy says undrafted running or quarterback for our fourth quarterback. Any names? Off the top of anyone's head, maybe someone who started three to four years with a good completion percentage. I'll tell you who I like out of uh, Minnesota is Tanner Morgan. I think he's the guy that's had a lot of success. And when he had big time uh, talent, you know, with uh, other receivers there, you know, Tyler Johnson and uh, Bateman, uh, he, he was highly successful, threw for almost 4,000 yards. It's a lot like Brock Purdy as far as the numbers. Don't get me wrong. He's not Brock Purdy. He doesn't look like Brock Purdy. He doesn't throw like Brock Purdy. Uh, but as far as he had a very successful sophomore year, and then he kind of you know struggled a little bit after that compared to what his previous numbers were. But what I like about him is timing in the pocket, gets rid of the football, has a strong enough arm to make all the throws on the field. He's not going to go out there and win any arm throwing awards. He's not going to run around, dance, and, and throw these crazy passes across his body. Uh, but I thought he had some consistency, and I seen what he could do when he had the talent that he needed on the football team. I think if you put him with a good running game, uh, he could be successful enough to make some plays. Uh, what's up, Cole? Cole says, please don't take Zadarius from us. Man, it looks like Zadarius wants to leave. And, you know, that's the thing. If Zadarius wants to leave and he's interested in coming to San Francisco, would love to have Zadarius Smith uh, on the 49ers. I think him and Bosa would wreck shop together for a couple of years. So uh, I'm I'm good with that. And Jaley says bingo on Mingo. Love it. Yeah, he's one of my favorites in the whole draft for sure. Uh, yeah, he's, he's big time. And Randy says, nice one, Ant. Uh, get Nick Mullins back from Jimmo. I don't think Mullins was coming back. I think if you're talking about a quarterback that could come back to the 49ers that is previous left, I think Nate Sudfeld has to be a name as far as depth-wise. He played for the league minimum last year that you look at potentially bringing in, I, I think he's a possibility uh, to come back. You know, I've heard other names, you know, Marcus Mariota potentially. Uh, now that, now that, you know, you've got the move with Carr, I expect Jameis Winston to get released. Uh, will Jameis Winston look, be looking for a reclamation project? I thought that's what he did, was trying to do in New Orleans, but his career have passed him by. So I do think that there's some options at the quarterback position as far as veterans. I think we'll know a lot more tomorrow. Brock Purdy has his surgery, and then after that, you'll have a pretty good idea of where Purdy sits. Uh, at least the team will. I don't know when we'll find out, but they'll know. And if it's a six-month variety, I think they go with more of a low-priced a low free agent a veteran. If it's 
a nine month or 12 month variety, you could see them spend a little bit more and go more aggressive after a quarterback that they want to bring in. Uh, so I think this is going to be a fluid situation as far as quarterback position for sure. <laughs> Bobo says re-signing Tyler Croft and Josh Johnson is a must. Uh, love that. Josh Johnson, definitely not right. We I see that you're just kidding, but I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler Croft was, you know, or Ross Dwelly came back as a 90-man roster spot and just see what they could do. Uh, because the 49ers always do this before the draft. They like to sign players to their 90-man roster of veteran players that are tremendously cheap. Because if you sign Croft to a league minimum, he's not going to count against your top 51 contracts. And then when you get your, that way if you get into the draft and you're unable to get the tight ends that you want, or you're not only able to get one and you want to get two, you have a veteran that you can count on. He's not on another football team. So I think that signing Croft is potential um, there. Johnson, not so much. Kimmel says he looked good in camp. That would be good. For sure. Uh, great, great one. What's up, great one? Says Foco at DN in the draft. I like him out of San Jose State. A bigger guy, uh, less built on speed, more built on aggressiveness and style. He can definitely handle setting the edge in the run. I want to see more from him. I haven't watched a lot of film. I think I've watched about half a game of him so far. So I need to get more into Foco and just see, you know, what he does against a variety of different teams. I want to see him against different competition. Um, so, yeah, I'll get more into him. I've been going through my breakdowns a little bit. I went down the rabbit hole of wide receivers one day. Uh, lately, I've been into cornerbacks, um, and I've went through some defensive tackles as well. But, yeah, the draft process is a lot. Today was a lot of free agency, uh, getting prepared for free agency and who the 49ers could sign, which players they might bring back. So I look to get more and more into the draft as we progress through free agency and into draft period. And then, of course, you know, you know how it is. Into March, April is always heavy draft season. Um, yeah. So, oh, geez, Randy Daytona coming with the zingers there. Absolute zinger coming from um, Randy Daytona. Fantastic. I was looking at. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anyone here on potential guys. You know, what I mean, because we have there's lots of free agent edge rushers already, and the fact that I say that. Um, means that it's a it's a completely saturated market. I mean, I'm just going to name off these names, and you tell me these guys are this this makes this whole thing saturated and potentially good for the 49ers as far as cheap. Uh, but Bud Dupree, Frank Clark, Robert Quinn, Brandon Graham, Yannick Ngagwe, Jadavion Clowney, Matthew Ioannidis, Ishan Robinson, Larry Ogunjobi, um, all those guys, Samson Ebucom, uh, Arden Key, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston. Marcus Davenport, I mean, these, Carlos Dunlap, these are, Dante Fowler, these are all names that are free agents right now, and we're talking about the potential of them adding Carl Lawson from the Jets, potentially getting released, uh, I mean, Zadarius Smith, Khalil Mack, I mean, these are all guys that could be released as well, to me, this market is absolutely saturated, which means the 49ers may have a potential uh, to get a, a young guy, you know, on, um, or, I mean, to get a guy on a cheap deal that could help their football team. And on Spotrack, the number two trending player right now is Darius Smith. So uh, Smith is definitely getting people's attention and to see what his contract looks like and, and what could be going on. And that's what Jim was saying here. Names for days. It is. It's crazy. Uh, it's a great one. says, you think Julian Brent will fall to us at 99? You know, that's the thing. I think it's going to play out a little bit here. Um, to see who ends up falling and who ends up, you know, uh, kind of catching fire and moving up the boards. I think there's going to be some movement. We've seen some already. One guy I was heavy on, Trey Dean, the safety out of Florida. I like him a lot. He ran a four seven five at the at the combine, so automatically film went out the window, and he went and dropped from you know a into the third round guy all the way to a fifth or sixth round guy. And the whole time I'm just like, really, did that show on film? Did he look four seven five on film? I, I think sometimes we put too much into those. Uh, so, I, I I mean, it's potential. You could see players fall to 99 that you think is going to be higher than that. Greg Jackson was a guy that I didn't break down a whole lot last year because I really believed he was going to be into first round, early second round, and then he fell all the way to 61. So I am doing more due diligence. Thanks, John Lynch, for that. Due diligence uh, to make sure I get all those names and, and try to figure out who's going to be in that area. So, yeah, I think right now it's a possibility – he could fall. We'll see what happens as we get closer and closer to the draft. Yeah, JLE says packed. 
Randy says we probably need that second DN to be a force. Uh, it, it's it's true. We do. Uh, Eric says Josh Johnson needs to go play pickleball because his football days are done. I think they finally are. I think they finally are. And you know what? That's JL. He brought up Leonard Floyd. I didn't even talk about Leonard Floyd. He's going to potentially be a cap casualty from the Rams. Rams floating around. Uh, trading Matthew Stafford today as well. So Leonard Floyd, Zach Allen is already out there on the open market. I've seen a lot of people bringing up him. And, you know, uh, uh, Splash Cousin Jordan Elliott has been bringing up Davion Clowney for the last few days, uh, showing some film on him. I know a lot of people are concerned about Clowney. If you're concerned about Frank Clark's attitude, right, you're probably worried about uh, Clowney as a teammate as well. And I'm sure those are things that the 49ers are going to take into account when they're making their, their free agent moves. I think free agency is going to be a lot of fun. I just can't wait for it. I think it's going to be exciting. It's exciting for sure. But I'm going to check out of here. Uh, thanks, everyone, so much for coming through the live stream. I'm going to try to do more live streams, especially uh, next week. It's going to heat up to a fever pace with free agency, and I'll be here for all your breaking news. You guys can jump on, talk to me, uh, let me know what's going on with you. Uh, but thanks so much, everyone, for coming through. I really appreciate it, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. But until then, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers.